My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. I'd like to introduce our guest for the day, Greg Love, founder of Old Florida Outdoors. Greg is a fourth-generation native Floridian who has spent a lifetime in the challenging woods and waters of Central Florida. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. Um, I wanted to get into a little bit about you it's obviously you've grown up and hunted and fished in central florida your whole life when did you how did that how did you get into it exactly uh in the hunting and fishing yeah uh so i grew up uh always wanting to be into hunting and fishing uh, my older brothers were uh more into it than I was. And then, uh, it's when I was six, my, my real dad passed away. And so that kind of, uh, left me without anybody that was doing it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, um, as God would have it, I ended up, um, getting involved with my now current wife when I was in about the 10th grade and, uh, her family was very into hunting and fishing. And so, uh, through my father-in-law and my brother-in-laws, uh, one of my brother-in-laws in particular kind of took me under his wing and, uh, showed me the ropes. And then of course, uh, you know, other guys along the way have, uh, shown me, uh, you know, kind of gotten me introduced into it and, uh, shown me some, some steps. And then I just kind of really took to it. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. I know that was a little bit of my path. My father-in-law got me into it and, I've slowly gotten into more. My cousin got me into waterfowl hunting and then I just got into dove hunting and well, actually got me into, he got me into wing shooting essentially. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's one of those things that's really hard if you don't have a quote unquote mentor or a group of guys to bring you in. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's not that it's necessarily hard to learn yourself, but you kind of got to have a starting point. Right. And, uh, yeah, some guys on the look at you as an outsider and it's a little hard to, actually break into that that group and then find places to hunt and then uh, also get some information so yeah i cut my teeth on public land so me too buddy you gotta love it no i think it's good for you oh of course it Add. makes you appreciate uh the opportunities to hunt even the uh smallest public private land piece yeah so. yeah I know my first hunt ever was opening day firearms in November cold. I was wearing steel toes. Yeah. And I shot my first buck ever and then lost my first buck ever. Yeah. So I learned that lesson the hard way the first time. Yeah. That's a hard one. <laughs> Something that everybody eventually goes through. Sounds like you went through it sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah. But it happens to every single person that hunts, you know. Yeah. I know there have been some close calls over the years that I was lucky to be able to get through, but this year was a little bit too dicey for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, the buck is still up. Crap. Back away. Yeah. Yeah. You ever have those where you come up and the buck is still uh, um, looking at I, you? I have had them with their head up never yeah. standing. Um, and I will tell you, um, being primarily a bow hunter early on, I learned the value of a good blood trailing dog here in Florida, mm. not quite as strict as some other States with the use of dogs. Uh, and so being a dog guy, uh, I trained my now passed away blue tick hound and he was a pretty, pretty proficient blood trailer. Um, yeah. and, uh, that's a, it's funny the calls you get at dark at dark thirty uh, for people to come for you to come and uh, yeah help them blood trail which is it's what you want because it's the only way your dog really stays good be able to learn and keep that knowledge going versus losing it and not even trying anymore basically yeah yeah 
and Florida likes to rain quite a bit too, in case you don't know. So it seems like no, as soon as I let the arrow fly, the rain starts. So, Oof. so yeah, the blood trail. Yeah. Not so we, good for us. We don't have the luxury of a lot of falling leaves and snow either. So it's, it's an interesting, uh, you got a lot of good buddies and, uh, that are willing to crawl around on the ground and look for the next drop. Yeah. Uh, for here, it's a little, there's, you run into an issue when it's, re- when the, uh, blood drops on the red leaves though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure every, every place has its thing, right? Yeah. Right. I was shooting. I switched over from muzzy to exact archery broadheads this year and man, that blood trail that thing left out was nice. Of course the bolt was sticking through her still, so it yeah. didn't hurt the situation. But yeah. That's the first time I've ever shot through a scapula. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then use the same bolt and broadhead to shoot through a buck. Yeah. There you go. So I'm staying with those. Yeah. You will find what works, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'm still shooting literally a 20 year old, 20 plus year old Matthew switchback. And I have a lot of buddies who are always telling me I need a new bow because now they have to make the strings for me. And I'm like, well, the deer haven't gotten any bigger or any faster. My bow still works great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's just a great shooting bow, you know, so it still works. So once you find something that works, I think, uh, my inclination is to stick with what works. I'm, I'm a pretty simple, have a pretty simple approach to things when it comes to that, because, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not that bright. So and I'm not that gifted. So in order for me to make something work and have it work, I like to stick with it, especially if it's proven. Yeah. I know. I bought my crossbow. My father-in-law got me into crossbow hunting because that's when I started into hunting, that's when Indiana started allowing crossbow as an offshoot of archery. So Mm -hmm. I never actually got into archery because I didn't know it was even a thing. So I got into it and started using it. And I've actually talked with a crossbow expert and she recommends and she works with 10 point uh crossbow technologies Mm -hmm. so she's got the hand have her hands on the latest and greatest one that can put three inch groupings the same as a rifle round right down range and i asked for that one particular model what's your recommended range for hunting deer yeah 50 yards yeah and her logic is extremely sound. It's not a bullet. It's not, you know, half inch long or whatnot. Right. It's a bolt. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. 20 inches long. I mean, that thing hits a twig. You yeah. haven't, you have a magnification offset majorly and you're not going to hit your target whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, makes pretty good sense then. Yeah, everybody's got their own school of thought, and I'm not going to debate shooting at long distances versus short distances and everything else. But what I will say is, for me, my personal preference is getting close to the animal is the hunting part. Mm -hmm. And so my preferred range, I would say, is 30 yards or less, even even if really with a gun, if I can, obviously. Yeah. it's Less just much more, it's much more exciting to me, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, and again, I'm not knocking anybody who that's their thing. It's just not mm-hmm. my thing to shoot something at three or 400 yards. Um, that makes you a marksman, not a great hunter. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I prefer the up close and personal encounters. Yeah. Well, it also takes a lot longer. And, and, and as I, my time with, with teenage girls is, uh, having two teenage daughters is more and more precious. So, uh, having the time to hunt like that and to get closer and closer to animals and to zero in on one book, I don't mm-hmm. have that kind of time these days running the gator business and everything else too. So, yeah. Now here's a great little segue. And I think, I think this is actually the first time I've ever said that one. How did the gator business start? 
Yeah. So uh, let me give you just a little bit of background about it, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. So, yeah, like you said, I've been here my whole life. My family's been here for a long time. Uh, I specifically chose the name Old Florida Outdoors because um, I think, and I think I asked you this the other day on the phone, what mm -hmm. pops into your head when you think of Florida? And I think for the average citizen, uh, Disney, the mm -hmm. beach, Miami, uh, that's what first comes to mind. And, uh, you know, these days maybe governor DeSantis or something like that, but for the mm -hmm. most part, it's those things, uh, through time. And, uh, I really just wanted to reach out to people and let them know that there yeah. is an entire cracker culture here for lack of a better word of, of guys and, and girls that are into hunting and fishing. And, uh, you know, I think we talked the other day at one time mm -hmm. Florida was even like, I think the number two beef producer in the country. Yeah. And there's a whole center part of this state. Um, you know, we call it between the beaches, you know, and, uh, I just really wanted people to see that for what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. there is a culture here. There is, uh, it, it, there's just so much more to this this place than Disney and the beaches. And uh, I know. I mean, when you asked me that, my first thought was the Everglades. Yeah. I mean, the you got gators, you got invasive pythons. Which, yeah. I mean, but yeah, my first thought is always with Florida. It's the Florida gator. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's. To me, that's, you know, that's what I love about this place is I really do believe it's a sportsman's paradise. You can hunt or fish something every day of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can do most of it for free. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like you have to be a member of some elite club. I mean, yes, obviously you're going to get bigger trophies if you're on a managed lease, but there is a lot of public waterways and a lot of public uh, management areas for hunting that are available yeah. to the general public. Yeah. Now, I know we were talking earlier when we talked about was the average size that you look for in a alligator? Yeah. So in Florida, um, according to our Florida Wildlife Commission, uh, the FWC considers anything nine foot or larger to be a trophy. So. Nice one of my goals for a couple of reasons was to always be above that nine foot range. Uh, fortunately, uh, God has really blessed me and I've been over my three years of existence as a company in the 10 foot. I think my worst year was 10 foot six average and my best year being 10 foot 11 over probably 20 something gators. And, uh, I look at that nine foot range and I, I try to keep my clients, you know, if you want to be, a trophy guide, which is what I try to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to stay in that range. And, and one of the major reasons is it's really good for the fishery. And why I say that is because a typical adult sexually mature female doesn't really get bigger than nine foot. No. So if I can stay above that, then I'm only killing bull gators for the most part. I think over my entire time in existence, I've killed two females uh, since I've been, professionally doing this and uh you know the females hatch the eggs and yep. uh unfortunately there's already enough predators out there um including the state of florida allows people to go in and harvest the eggs off the nest so they don't really need you know you got raccoons you got birds you got snakes you got other gators mm -hmm. they're already kind of taking it from all sides so you don't need if you can help it to keep killing the females. Now we certainly have a very healthy population. So if guys are doing that, it's not the end of the world. It's just, I would like to keep mine in the trophy range if I can. Yeah. And usually trophies are the males yeah. that can get a lot bigger than females. Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever seen anything at the 12 foot mark? Oh, so I kill, I've killed many, many 12 footers. Uh, the largest one that I've killed ever was, um, a 13 footer. Um, typically there's about one to, I'm sorry, about five to eight of those killed a year in the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, those are just, and again, I'm, 
So it's, it's one of those things. Everybody wants to know, well, how old is that alligator? It seems to me that they have done, they're not really sure how to appropriately age them. So one thing you read says, oh, that alligator would be 50 years old. Other things say they'd be 70 years old. And as much as I'd like to lead people to believe that I'm a biologist, I'm really just a dumb redneck who likes to kill things. Yeah. Um, so I, I will go with what they say. And that's, that's a very old alligator. How about that? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Every year this year I killed, uh, my biggest one was 12, two with a client. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I've killed, uh, at least three twelves this year. And, uh, out of 20, I think 24 gators killed this year. So, like I said, I think this year my average over 24 gators or whatever it is, 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 uh, 10 foot eight. So, yeah, well, still, I mean, you're getting a lot of male gators that are, have a lot of meat on them and oh those are giants man i mean so you're a whitetail guy up in the midwest so mm-hmm. if you look and and again any, anyone can fact check me i'm not that smart but i will do my best to try to uh remember what i read on the internet on forums and stuff but it basically i think that like an 11 foot alligator is considered like a 180 inch deer <laughs> so once you hit that i mean that's a once in a lifetime i don't care where you live right yeah so uh you know to have more of my gators than not be in that 11 12 foot range is uh yeah it's pretty it's and i'll tell you this man i i I wish i could tell you i'm that good the system is that good a friend of mine matt showed me the system uh and then we just kind of worked on it together and perfected it yeah and uh the system is that good so well that that's really good <laughs> i mean i we're talking about 180 deer my father-in-law bagged a after boone and crock you know after drying and yeah. the net score was hot significantly higher his net score was in the 190s I know his gross score was in the one nineties. His net score was one seventy eight and three eighths. I believe I'd fall out of the tree stand, man. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> that was counted. That was a horse of yeah, a yeah. whitetail, and we it took five people and an industrial wheelbarrow yeah. that Lily the tire got flat because of him. Yeah. Here I am trying to move him because I was holding on to the bar and whatnot, the handlebars and my uh, sister-in-law is holding his head up and everybody's trying to keep his body in there. And Wait, yeah. wait your father-in-law or the deer? No, my kidding. father-in-law's deer. I'm just kidding, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look at that, my father-in-law, he's a big guy. He's taller yeah. than me. And yeah. That thing looked, made him look small. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I always love about hanging the gators on the, uh, you know, on the boat. My boat's 18 foot and, you know, you can't really tell. Plus, people play with pictures and the way they take mm-hmm. them and everything else. But when I hang them from the the pole barn on a on a winch and you're standing next to, uh, you know, the gators, you, you know, my mind, I, I was a basketball player. I think a basketball goal being 10 foot. And when you see these gators that are barely touch, they're touching the ground and the 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 center of the building where they're hanging is, you know, 15 feet. It's pretty yeah. impressive. So, yeah, I've seen several of those pictures. I was looking at them. My wife, I show my wife and she's like, Holy cow. Those are giants. Yeah, man. I, God has really blessed me. I'll be honest with you. I, yeah. uh, you asked me kind of how I got into it and how it started. Um, in Florida at one point here, not that long ago, there was a market for the hides and the meat. And mm-hmm. probably like six or eight years, maybe, yeah, probably six or eight years ago, that kind of went away. Um, yeah. People are farming alligators now. There's big alligator farms. And so the wild alligator hide is not quite as sought after. Whereas before, when my buddies and I would go, we would actually sell the meat for X number of dollars per linear foot, right? The bigger the gator, the more mm-hmm. contiguous linear feet they had, the more price per square or per linear foot. And, uh, that kind of dried up to where now you really can't even sell them for anything. It, you know, let's just take it back a second away from the professional side of this. And anytime you can hunt and at least make your money back is pretty good. Right. So that's how we looked at it. Uh, 
And then what happened is when that dried up, and so it's it's a lottery every year. I get no preference as an outfitter on public water than anyone else. So I have friends and and uh, family members put in for tags for me. Mm-hmm. And um, what was happening was my I wasn't drawing tags. Right? It's it's basically a thirty three percent chance that you'll draw tags based on the numbers. And for years I didn't draw tags, but I was getting these phone calls, kind of like with my blood trailing dog, I get a lot of, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends all of a sudden. Right. So yeah. I would get these calls like, Hey man, can you come help me? And sure. I mean, that's the only way I would get to gator hunt. So I would go help these guys. And a few of them encouraged me saying, Hey, you know, you're, you're pretty good at this. You should, you should consider this. And fortunately with my fire department schedule, it allows me to uh, be able to take the time off of work during the season. The, the season's August 15th through November 1st pretty much every year. And so I'm able to take quite a bit of that time off. Now, do you look to see making the gator hunting business, the full-time job eventually? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm three and a half years away from retirement with the fire service. Okay. Uh, currently I've, I've got 25 years under my belt, uh, 16 and a half with my current department. You got to do 20. Mm-hmm. So when I hit 20, my, my goal is to leave, um, the gator. So again, remember I, if I'm only, if I'm hunting public land, I can only hunt those two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, so my goal eventually would be to include turkey hunts and wild hog hunts. Uh, nobody really cares that much about our deer, but people in the Midwest love hogs and aren't we, <laughs> We happen to have the golden ticket with the Osceola turkey because everybody who wants to kill their slam, you have to come through Central Florida because we're the only ones with it. Mm. So eventually I would love to incorporate that into my business. It just uh, currently that door hasn't opened for me to get that kind of property. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do believe that when uh, when and if God uh, is is ready for me to do that, I will. That will that will happen. All um, right. So yeah, I'm excited about it. All right. Yeah, I know the uh, I haven't went hog hunting yet, so but I have high hopes for well not really cuz I've just learned about them recently, the polar north wild hogs coming out of Canada. There are very big hogs in Canada. They're more of the Russian variety if I if I remember what I read correctly. Yeah. And uh I they're an invasive species. I hope to God they actually don't do what they're saying they're going to do because if the South and Florida, Texas and all them is any indication on just how oh, they're devastating yeah. they can be. And we can't use the same methods of pest control like they did back in the day, which was lethal to all predators not just the prey they're searching for i mean in no way am i advocating to do that ever because that's just bad on all fronts yeah utilizing that yeah and i just want to get that out there i'm not saying hey let's do this but the control methods obviously they reproduce faster than rabbits yeah, hogs can have up to three litters a year, and she can have, uh, you know, 15, 12 to 15 a, uh, a litter. And then you got to take out what the coyotes are going to do and what everything else is going to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you really want to control your hog population, you got to do a lot of different things. Um, some years back, so I'm, I'm a, a state nuisance trapper as well for hogs. Um, some years back, it's probably been really close to 10 years. I used to run hog dogs three nights a week, you know, like it was, uh, it's what I used to do. And, uh, they were, I, I want to say it was like $500 million worth of ag damage a year, just in Florida alone. Dang. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Really. Um, it's to the point here where on all of my cameras, you'll have a deer, a buck coming in, and then within a short period of time, the hogs show up on your corn or whatever you're feeding. And then the deer just, you see them start fading to the background and then you stop seeing them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I will tell you that I, I love the wild hog, man. Uh, 
it's my family loves to eat it. We love to, uh, I love to hunt them. I'm, I obviously prefer and would love to hunt more trophy whitetails, but yeah, it is nice to have a 24 hour day, seven day a week, no license needed, 365 days a year animal that you can pursue. Yeah, it's definitely in case of the apocalypse, you That's know, right. That's you right. have a steady supply of food. That's right. That will not run out. That's right. And the other thing is, is other people don't know how to do it. So I'm not stocking up on groceries. I'm stocking up on bullets for hogs. Right. So. I know a buddy of mine that I just had an interview with last week or so. He takes uh, veterans in on hog hunts. And one of the methods they do is dog and spear. Yeah. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time hunting with dogs, man. I love, I'm a dog guy. I I like dogs better than most people, to be honest. So I know the feeling my dogs, my, I had two little dogs and, uh, they're responsible for a lot of hog deaths. And, uh, you know, that it's, it's a, you want to talk about an adrenaline rush. It's not, it's not as good as my gator hunting. Let's get back on that, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, it is, it is fun. So. Well, that's good. So I know w- how you and I got, uh, in contact was I saw, I was talking to Beak, the guys from Beak Whackers Outdoors. Yeah. And they were talking about going down to Florida and having a veteran hunt with you. Yeah. And h- how did, well, let's start with how they came into contact with you and roll forward from there. Yeah, man. So it's interesting, right? Like, uh, I had a couple extra tags. So I had the way it works is I, so I'm already booked for next year. So guys send guys and girls send deposits, uh, almost a year out. Right. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, life happens and, uh, cancellations happen. And I had a few cancellations and I started going through, different Instagram accounts that were either following me or I was following them. And, uh, somehow I stumbled upon, and someday you can ask Jared from beak whackers if this is correct, but this is how I recollect it anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. that I actually sent him a thing thinking that they were a, um, like a club, you know, like a, a group of guys that were out, uh, doing waterfowl. And I sent him like a private message thing saying, Hey, you know, I've got these extra tags. If, if you're interested, let me know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he responded back and he said, well, actually I'm a nonprofit. This is what I'm doing. And then we had a phone conversation much like you and I, you know, uh, social media is great, but, uh, as, as I told you, I'm not really much of a, uh, it computer guy. So the phone is much better for me or meeting someone in person is even ideal. And we started talking and, uh, you know, I found right away, uh, Jared just had a, he has, he has a passion for what he's doing, man. And he, he mm-hmm. wasn't really trying to sell me on the idea. He was just telling me what it was. And, uh, you know, when I, when I, so this leads me to kind of, you asked me how this started and it, it is intertwined slightly when I started thinking about doing this. Um, I started praying and God made it very clear to me, uh, that this could not be really about money, but about ministry and relationships. And, uh, you know, of course I have to make money. It has to be sustainable. Mm. But one of the things I looked at when I started talking to Jared was, you know, I, I thought this was one thing and it's another, and I feel like this is something that I'm being led to do. And then, uh, you know, Jared held a drawing. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, he was going to some sort of trade show. And uh, he held a drawing and he, he got two guys. I wasn't, you know, I, re- I still really wasn't totally sure on the details. And I think being Jared's first non-water uh, waterfowl or wing hunting gig for this, he wasn't really sure either. You know, I just, we kind of winged it, so to speak. And, uh, I really felt like both of us were really led to this. And, uh, he drew two names out of a hat or however they did it. 
and uh, they brought down the two guys. And so I, so the way my business works is I rely on tag holders. I, I don't always hold the tag. So there's always another person with me. Um, all of them are friends of mine. And so my friend Taylor was like, I asked him, I was like, Hey man, I can't really pay you for this. It would be more of a donation. And he was, he jumped on it right away. Absolutely. I would do this in a minute. And, uh, started talking to Jared. They came down and the way the hunts work is it was three days together. Um, or actually, I think we did two days. I can't remember, but typically they're, they're three days and we stay at the same hotel. We eat together. We, uh, yeah. we talk together. We, we, you know, and, and, you know, oftentimes with every hunting trip, regardless of what your, your pursuit is, it's much more about the conversation and the relationship than it is about the hunting, right? The hunting is, yeah. uh, is awesome. And it's what you hope for, especially a good kill. Yep. Go home with a trophy and some meat, but more often than not, it's about the relationship built. And I didn't know yep. how I was going to go, man, to be honest. I didn't know. Um, and I even had to ask him, I was like, are these guys disabled? Or are they like, I didn't know. I don't, I didn't know his, he said, well, they could be, we don't know, you know? And I said, well, okay, yep. I'll, I'll have to figure that out. You know, um, I have not actually had a disabled hunter yet, fully disabled where, where, you know, um, and the, the guys came down, uh, and it was, it was better than I ever could have expected. Honestly, um, the connection, the connection with Jared was awesome. The connection with Daniel and Dennis was awesome. Uh, we still keep in touch. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. And, and here's the kicker. We only harvested one of the two alligators. And uh, it, it was a cold, windy time. Uh, we had a couple get off the line, different things, but it, it was amazing and awesome. And that's, that's how a lot of my hunts go, to be honest. Uh, not, not that we don't get them both, but what I'm saying is, is the conversation and the relationship becomes more important than the actual hunt. Yeah. So the hunting almost becomes the tool for the relationship, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. I mean... <sighs> the amount of guys that I've been able to connect with well, people in general, just being able to connect with and it's through hunting and, or a love of hunting or equipment. And you wouldn't get that otherwise, or you barely, you know, be in passing pretty much. Yeah. It was very cool for me. Um, you know, I've had other veterans on the boat, that wasn't the intent. It just happened to be right. But I got a chance to talk to these guys and one, I really got to see Jared's passion for what he does. Um, yeah. And, and I think my, my buddy Taylor did too. It's you start talking to these guys and that it just bleeds through. They can't help it. You know, they, uh, they want to give you their pitch and sometimes the pitch is, um, just that it's a pitch, but with Jared, I could tell this is, it's what's driving him. You know, this, I think beak whackers, if I'm remembering correctly, did not start off this way. It started off as a group of buddies that were going to try to make a film or a video or a series of videos. And what it turned into was this amazing nonprofit organization that, that, I mean, he brought these guys, uh, rubber boots. He brought on um, binoculars. He brought, he just went out of his way to get donations for these guys, to bring it, to bring it all together and make their experience that much better. And the two guys that brought, cool. were amazing. You know, I mean, we had, I got to hear a little bit of their story. I mean, it, it really is what it's about, you know, and, and, it, and yeah. I typically like when I'm deer hunting or hog hunting, I'm kind of a solo hunter, you know, it's just family land. So I don't mm -hmm. get that deer camp experience. This gave me a little bit of that. But that's what this hunting does. It gives me a little bit of that experience, having meals with guys, mm -hmm. even though it's usually in a restaurant, having time at a camp, even though it's a hotel and having that conversation. And, and that's really where it's, uh, it's blossomed and where I really feel like God has blessed it is the opportunity for me to just walk out Christianity in front of these guys not beating mm -hmm. anybody over the head with the Bible, but just showing them what it looks like to be a Christian man in the outdoors. Yeah. 
And that's a good thing. I mean, they always... I know a lot of guys that are good Christian men who utilize that and, you know, share that through hunting and nonprofits aren't usually the way they do it. It's a really cool thing, man. I, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, it, it bleeds through with, with Jared and, uh, and his, I think even his wife is involved, man. What a, what a, what a cool thing. Yeah. I, I remember them talking about that and being able to accomplish that as a family is a really good thing. Yeah. I think, uh, I heard you say at one point you, you were wishing that you had been in the military or could have been in the military. And and I had that very Mm -hmm. same pull, especially I I was already a fireman, nine 11. And so post nine 11, I would have been leaving my career to go over, uh, it's the closest I've ever been. I really, uh, I think had I not already been with my, my wife, you know, she was my girlfriend and, and already that established, I coming out of high school, that may have been the route. That was a route that I anticipated, but I was, I mean, it sounds really weird, but I was kind of already settled down at that point. Yep. And, uh, I, and then again, after nine 11, a lot of guys felt that urge. Right. And I know that's kind of where Jared was. Uh, and yeah, I think you, I think he's told me that he's got a lot of family and friends that were involved. And, uh, while we didn't all lean that way, I think he's even a contractor for the military, if I'm remembering right. But while we all didn't make that, that commitment, I look at now what he's doing and, and, uh, what a way to give back to those guys that did make that commitment. Yeah. I know my father, he served in the military. I've got a cousin that served in the military. So I just, me, I wanted to, because I like working well with others and it just seemed like something to do. I graduated in 2003. So I was a sophomore during nine 11. So yeah, you're just a pup buddy. Pretty much. I was already working. Now I was on my now second I'm fire department. Not. I was on my second fire department, dude. You're just a kid. Now, you know, you want to make it sound old. I work with a 19-year-old now. Oh, uh, me too. Unfortunately, yes, I live in a frat house every third day, so I'm ready for that to be over. <laughs> well, this one, his dad works in another department, and yeah, working next to a 19-year-old. And I'm thinking to myself, was I really this? Don't say it. Type of, yeah. <laughs> was I really like that back then? The answer is yes. Of course, it always will be. <laughs> but it still doesn't change the fact. This like, how did I survive? Yeah. Oh wait, it's because the older guard knew better. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, we all we know better. It's like I like being out of jail. Yeah. So I've heard this phrase, this uh, little saying, and I use it quite a bit. You can be young and smart. It's hard to be young and wise. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I told him, it's like, he, he was, uh, not to interrupt my f- grandfather. I was telling him my grandfather's 80 years old and he's like, Oh, I don't, you, you still like your grandparents. I don't, I don't feel that way. And I'm like, respect your elders they've got a crap ton of experience when you have an 80 year old grandfather yeah learn yeah exactly my dad told me years ago my stepdad told me years ago uh the older you get the smarter i'll seem Mm -hmm. so yeah and and it it has rang true so oh i've my stepdad he got after me a lot and granted i can say it you could have been it. you deserve it. yeah well it could have been handled differently yeah yeah from you know my perspective but no no yeah he was correct 100 percent of the time both yeah. my brothers challenged him physically yeah yeah and this was when he was in his late 30s early 40s so yeah still my age. yeah and i'm looking at my nephew my eldest brothers my elder brother's son but all my nephews and they're about the same age as we were when they were kids. And I'm like, 
I can manhandle all of you at the same time and not flinch. That's right. If you think for an ink, yeah, it's like if you think for an inkling that he was not holding back. That's right. I mean, I remember they got wrestling matches, you know, physical it devolved into wrestling. And I'm thinking, yeah, my brother's just shit, sticking it to him. And I'm, now it's like, that man was literally restraining he all could he could do. He could hurt him badly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, so. There is something to old man strength. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, there's a 19-year-old. Yeah, he's a big guy. This 19-year-old's about my weight class but i'm like yeah nope nope yeah i don't care yeah you'd have to get one heck of a lucky swing well that could happen oh of course once i'm not saying i'm not (laughs) yeah i'm not saying you know the whole what if scenario of well what if i do this what if i do that that's right i hate the what I hate the what if scenario. Say, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. That's yep. That's that's pretty true. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you see those cocky young kids, and you're all thinking, "Nope, not worth it." Nope. <laughs> Please so don't do test me, know, man. What do, what do you want? What do you want to talk about? Okay, I know we went on a really big tangent about <laughs> age and youth and all that fun stuff. So, we, I know you talked about wanting to get into Osceola turkeys. Uh, yeah. Where do you see your business heading in the next five years? Oh man, that's a that's a really really good question, and I ask myself that quite a bit. So, the five year range takes me. Uh, one, I will be an empty nester at that point. My daughters will be out of the house. And uh, I will also, Lord willing, be retired from the fire department. Uh, I definitely see myself still doing the gator hunting at a minimum. Um, again, it's it's two and a half months. I absolutely love it. It's a very long, intense season. Mm-hmm. But it just ended and I'm already looking forward to it. So that is, you know, barring some catastrophe health wise or something like that, that's not going anywhere. What I would really love is the, like I said, the ability to get into Osceola turkeys and hogs um, and to be able to open that up to like, for instance, I have a very good friend who is a much bigger outfitter and has family land. And they're actually able to open up things to wounded warriors. Like they don't even mm-hmm. think twice about it. They have a wounded warrior weekend. I would just love to have the the piece of property to do something like that. The, the, the means to do that. Uh, I, I definitely see, I don't think this, that, that God intended this to be a one-off with beak whackers for me to continue to help, uh, bring veterans into this thing and to, to help those guys. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a really good question. And I, I really think I would like to answer that to say, to include those three things, but I also mm-hmm. hold the reservation of saying that because I really am truly trying to surrender to God's will and to see where and when those doors will open. And yeah, I, I, don't sooner rather than later. I don't know if that's the right answer. If that, I mean, I know that's the right answer, but I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. Mm. But it truly is where I'm trying to live my life. Yeah. Well, here's hoping sooner rather than later you get the land that you want with the lovely uh, swamp puppies on them. and That's right. Hogs and turkey. Yeah. And yeah. that way you'll be able to... What you be able to hunt gator year round then, right? Or is that still a season? Um, you can hunt them year round. It's a totally different style of hunting. Um, so I'll tell you if you if you got a minute briefly how I do it. Um, it's a little different than what most people do, and uh, I think a lot of people are real play it close to the vest when it comes to their trade secrets. But mm-hmm. it, it's just such a unique. One of the things, the feedback that I continually get, and uh, some of my clients are world travelers and hunters, you know, Africa, Canada, 
And some of what they tell me, the, the major thing that they tell me is this is just so unique. And the way that I've been taught to do it by my friend, Matt Murphy is a, a combination of hunting and fishing. So we're all, we're all using binoculars on the boat, right? And we're glassing, glassing, glassing. I teach the guys how to measure the gators from a distance, a pretty proven method that most gator hunters know. And once they decide that's the gate. So the, the cool thing is, is it's an interactive hunt. They get an opportunity to say, that's the gator I want, right? Or to turn it down. Mm -hmm. And the hardest question for me that I get is, well, what size do you think it is, right? Because we're looking at a quarter mile or a half mile away through binoculars on open water with nothing to judge. Yeah. So, you know, a standard water bottle is eight inches. Like if you get where to get a Dasani or Zephyr Hills water bottle, that's typically eight inches long. And so I teach them how to measure it off the nose based on that size of that water bottle. And then, you know, I always try to put it back on them because my biggest fear in all of this is I take you gator hunting. We pull it up to the side of the boat and you go, oh, right. I want you to be excited mm -hmm. and thrilled and more than meet your expectations. My biggest fear is that we pull it up to the side of the boat and you go, and it's got ground shrinkage, right? I mean, we've all experienced a deer with ground mm -hmm. shrinkage. You think that it's a you know, 20 inch wide, 10 point, and you get up there and it's a 14 inch wide, eight point or 10 point. And it's just not what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my biggest fear because really once we've got it up to the boat, it's yours, you know, Yep. and being the guy who makes that decision is, is tough. So we glass the gators from a distance, the client then versus going at night and, or me hooking it with a treble hook, the client is then the person who makes the decision. That's the one, Greg, I want to go after. Okay. So we go after it. We drop a bait and, uh, and I didn't use the bait. Now I bait and it's, it's proven, uh, very successful for me. Um, we drop the bait. We, we sit there and when the gator comes up, the gator eats the bait. We take the boat and we turn right back around on and drive right at the bait. The gator goes down. The guys get to use treble hooks on a, on a fishing rod. So that's why it's a combination of fishing and hunting. Uh, they treble hook mm -hmm. the gator in the, and they bring it up to the side of the boat. Then we get a chance to uh, catch it with a hand line. And then we eventually harpoon it. And once it's up next to the side of the boat and it's harpooned, we literally just shut the motor off and let the gator tire himself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like what you see on swamp people in Florida. We cannot use a gun, uh, per se, mm -hmm. like a rifle. We can use what's called a bang stick. And for those who don't know, that's literally just a powerhead. A, a, I use a 44. You can use whatever caliber you want. A 44 Magnum with a short barrel mm -hmm. that has a, the pressure hits the firing pin and that's what makes it go off. And so we do that once the gator is completely tired. We don't want him thrashing around. We don't want any of that. There's tons of that beforehand. Uh, we want mm -hmm. him pretty well settled down and just kind of docile next to the boat. And then the client gets the opportunity to actually kill the gator himself. Once nice. that happens, you know, it's, it is a pretty, it's a pretty intense thing. Honestly, once all of that happens, you know, and uh, you're in the Florida heat. Hopefully, my my best day is zero wind, a hundred degrees, and you're complaining about how hot the sun is. And uh, I get a lot of Midwesterners, and I've watched a lot of them melt. I've had to learn how to uh, offer them water and hydration tablets, and say, "Hey, today we're going to go in and have some lunch because uh, you guys look like you're melting." So uh, <laughs> I don't say that to them, but that's really what I'm watching for. You know, the last thing is a, is a firefighter uh, used to be a paramedic. Now I'm an EMT and, and I've mm -hmm. watched them. Uh, the last thing I want to deal with is heat stroke or some sort of heat related illness. But uh, that is when mm -hmm. the gators are most active. And then we, we, we kill that joker and we put him in the boat and it's high fives and handshakes and hugs. And uh, 
thanking God for the opportunity. And, uh, dude, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. How much pounds of meat do you normally get off of them? Uh, so it's not like, you know, like an average game animal is about 30%. It's a little less than that. Mm -hmm. I think, um, Mm. you know, the, the prime cuts, the processor that I use, they only want to give you the prime cuts, which is what I would do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say like, let's, let's, let's just say an average 10 and a half foot alligator, you're going to get 20 to 30 pounds of meat. And, and truthfully, that's plenty. I mean, it's, it's like seafood chicken. So there's only so many different ways that you can make it. It is delicious. Um, if it's cooked properly, it's, it's about like wild hog. If it's cooked improperly or it's handled improperly, you don't want nothing to do with it. Right. Um, the important thing is, is that we take care of it. It's good. And, uh, the clients get the best possible cuts. Nice. I know I was looking online recently a while back about looking up for a whole gator to cook. And those are those tiny little. Yeah. Yeah. $119 minimum. Say that one more time. $119 minimum for one of those. Really? Well, yeah. it sounds like you're going to have to come gator hunting and get your own meat. <laughs> now, well, I'm, I know I'm a guy. switching to that for, yeah, right. Now, switching to that from how much they charge for shipping uh, a, a small gator, what do you charge normally for your prices on guiding? Yeah, so uh, my my current rate is $5,000 per gator. And what does that include? That includes three nights of lodging. It includes all your evening meals and drinks. And uh, what what more is it that the person has to buy? They have to buy a $54 license from the state of Florida. And mm-hmm. we don't really eat breakfast because we're on the water, but breakfast and lunch. And uh, then they're responsible for taxidermy and processing, things like that. Uh, yeah, and- Knowing my luck, if I were to go gear hunting, I'd be like, well, honey, I'm going to get this taxidermy. No. All right, I'll bring the skull home. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things that people do with them. I get everything from European skull mounts to full body mounts. And uh, I work with some great taxidermists here locally. And, uh, you know, and then like, so it's interesting that we're talking today and talking about this. So the gator season ended on November 1st. Well, actually November 8th this year, uh, cause they gave us an extension, but I literally today made my annual run from the processor to Sebring tannery, uh, in Sebring, Florida. There's only one real tannery in this entire state and it's, uh, two and a half hours, three hours away from me. So I pick up the hides. I take them all there and then I journey home and, uh, you know, it's you with the hide, you can make leather goods. You can, some guys get the full body mount. Some guys get what they call rugs. You name it. They can do it. Uh, I got one guy this year that is getting what's called a table mount. And he went to Florida state university, which we all know is the Seminoles and he's getting a tomahawk mm-hmm. tomahawk and planted in the back of the head of the gator. So that was a twelve foot, that was a twelve foot two gator. That was actually the biggest gator killed this year. So, so that'll be. Nice. I can't wait to see that and take pictures of it. Oh yeah, and know that you were able to help him get that is just a tremendous boost to your ego. Yeah. Oh, I don't need any help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yeah, know you're firefighter, EMT, gator hunter, hunter extraordinaire. And doing it whilst partially deaf is definitely a topper on the whole thing. Man, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I told you this the other day. I can't really talk about this without talking about God and how he has led me through uh, so many different things mm. in my life and how this is a ministry. Uh, the relationships that have been built through this over the course of the last three or four years are unbelievable. The conversations about... I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. You can guys tell me that this relation, this, this hunting trip is life changing. 
When I tell you that when I'm on that boat, that's who I feel like God is intending me to be. I I mean, I I know that sounds weird because I'm a fireman, I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, and I am all of those things. And that is who God intends me to be. But I get to meet people from literally all over the world now. I've had uh, some Canadian guys come down that have been trying to come for years, but the Canadian border situation with COVID. And and the coolest thing is the relationships. You know, I mean, I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for the relationship I had with Jared. Yeah. And that was, that was by the grace of God. Truthfully. Like I thought it, I thought I was going to make money on the deal. (laughs) You know? Well, and then instead you're actually talking to people, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I will tell you this. I serve an amazing God. I will tell you that. Right. Yep. God's given us uh, circumstances and challenges, and we rise up and adapt That's to the it. situation to do better. Yeah. yeah. If there, I will tell you this. If there's someone out there listening to your podcast, especially knowing what it's really about and overcoming obstacles, and they are doubting whether or not they can do whether it's gator hunting or whitetail hunting or X, Y, Z, whatever it is, we know that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, uh, I believe the guy's name is Mike Burnside. I see that you and I both follow Mm -hmm. him and that you've had him on your podcast. Uh And Kenzie is his daughter. I've, I've spoken with him via chat on, on Instagram and what an amazing story. Yeah, I'm a little bummed oh, yeah. gator hunting with somebody else, but you know what I'm super happy for? She was successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it can she, be done. She was, yeah, she was successful this year in bagging, I think it was a five by six. He said, oh, she killed a giant. She killed mm-hmm. a giant. I'm so jealous. And I'm killing these scraggly little Florida <laughs> deer. Well, you know which states to go to then. Uh, yeah, man. I'm. I mean, are you offering? <laughs> well, uh, we're in muzzleloader season, starting the ninth. So I don't know how well you're going to go with that. But is this thing breaking up? It seems like it's breaking up. It must be a miscommunication. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, right. Uh, it it truly has been an amazing uh, an amazing run. Uh, I'm hoping to continue to be able to do this. Uh, as long as I'm healthy and as long as long as God keeps sending me people, uh, it, it right. really, truly is so much more than Gator Hine. It's so much more than uh, an exchange of uh, services or goods for, for money. And uh, it's, it's just really, truly, I think I've been blessed more than the people that come. Well, it's, I've, I believe that for their perspective, it's a blessing to be able to harvest something with someone as experienced as you are in the outdoors. So I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So do you want to tell anybody how to reach you via social media websites? Oh yeah. My best, best bet is my phone number three, two, one, two, three, zero, two, four, zero, two. Let me see what my, I don't even know what my Instagram handle is, man. Uh, do you know it? I think it's the, I, I believe it's the same as your company name. From it's what old dash Florida. And there's an E in there for a reason for those people that are wondering why in the heck does this guy misspell old? Uh, if you look around old English, the, the word old is spelled with an E. Uh, here in Florida, we have the oldest city in the nation, St. Augustine. And when you go there, it's spelled that way. Um, some of my friends give me a hard time about that. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of things. I got red hair. It's thin red hair on top of that. You know, I mean, I got a lot of things you can give me a hard time about the old E is just the least of my worries. Uh, so it's old, uh, underscore Florida underscore outdoors. Or it's um, GatorHuntFL.com if anybody wants to reach me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about a hunt. You know, I, of course, I would love to bring you hunting. But if you just want to reach out to me and talk and, and see what's going on, I'm totally, uh, I would I would enjoy that as well. In case you can't tell, I like right. to talk. 
<laughs> I think it's when people get along with somebody and they're able to set a rhythm, you know, feel pace. Talking just comes out Man. naturally. Yeah, it's been very easy to talk to you. I wasn't really sure. Uh, as you know, this is my first podcast. I had to have my wife set this thing up. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't even know my own Instagram handle. Uh, it's just not not really where I'm at in life. But uh, I think it's cool. I think it's awesome what you're doing. Uh, you know, I, th- I, I listen to your podcast. I think your story is pretty awesome, man. And... Uh, I really, I really believe that it's going somewhere, and this is a very cool, very cool um, platform for you to be able to do this. Well, thank you. Now, um, thank you for, thank you, Greg, for coming on and being the guest, man. It has been fun, and remember, everybody, stay adaptive.